This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. I got one more ADHD episode for you. This one is from Katie Osaurus. She's a classically trained Shakespearean actor. Actually, I'm not sure what classically trained means. Her website says she has two masters in Shakespeare. Wait, they have multiple graduate programs in Shakespeare? Well, she's also an influencer with a huge TikTok following. I'm not on TikTok, but my parents are, so pretty sure it's not cool anymore. There's too many apps to keep up with. Katie also streams on Twitch and is a podcaster. I haven't listened yet, but I'm sure it's a fun-filled journey into the unknown. Sorry, I'm a hot mess right now. Anyway, her podcast is called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest, an ADHD adventure. So I was hanging out with this girl from a dating app, and of course I told her about my podcast and the ADHD episode I did, and she said, oh, I have a friend that has a huge TikTok following for ADHD stuff. And I said, wow, I'm planning another one. Let's get her on the show. So she asked her friend, and her friend said, oh my God, Prodigy, I love that podcast. Sorry, I get a little carried away there, but she actually had listened to it because she's a fan of Joshua Bell, and I did an episode with him. I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, two ADHD people is a recipe for um, something unproductive, but she was excellent. There's a ton of info in this episode that you won't read in the DSM. Okay, pausing because my dog is licking her paw. In there. Can you chill for a sec? Okay, there's a ton of info in this episode that you won't read in the DSM. She talks about neurodiversity related to kink and a bunch more stuff that I think you'll find really interesting. So let's cue the line that's going to take me four times to get right. My name is Lowell Berlante, and this is Prodigy.
It's really difficult to explain uh, because my experience with ADHD is also very much tied into like my academic success um, because I was very, very gifted academically and I was very, very good at school. Um, and so I lived in this kind of like dichotomy of I was incredibly successful at school. I was getting good grades. I would, I would do my homework and I, and I took a lot of pride and a lot of satisfaction in that. But at the same time, I I couldn't do the other stuff. I couldn't keep my room clean. I couldn't focus. I, I didn't have the motivation. Like and and so I I lived constantly in this place where I was being lauded for being so successful, but then also being told that I was, you know, fundamentally like a failure for not being able to keep my room clean. And now looking back, I realize like there is a lot, there's so much more that was tied into my ADHD that I didn't realize at the time. Um, things like depression and anxiety and sensory processing issues and just all sorts of stuff that aren't necessarily in that brochure that growing up in the 90s you would read about, which is you run around the back of the classroom and you can't focus. And I was never that kid. Um, and so now it's knowing as much as I do about ADHD. It's so funny because I look at, you know, nine-year-old Katie and I go, oh, yeah, wow, 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 wow. But it, in the 90s, that was not that was not how we looked at ADHD. And so it was, it was a very different sort of experience, I guess, if that is an answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, actually, to be honest, it still feels like people don't understand it. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, it is 2021, and I hear... And I'm trying not to hyperbolize because I tend to do that a lot. Um, I I genuinely hear at least five times a week from somebody who said, I went in for an ADHD diagnosis and my doctor or my therapist or the person that I went to said that women can't have ADHD <laughs> or you're too smart to have ADHD. Yeah, and that like, seems it to is 2021. Right? <laughs> like, so, what are we doing? I don't know if it's like an overall statistic, but um, like when you're like for ADHD to have like a high intelligence, but I imagine that it is, but like that type of thing. People are like, you can't have ADHD, you're smart, or I've seen you focus. And you're like, well, yeah, on this like one thing, but um, on these yeah, other things, and, it's like impossible. Yeah, exactly. It's And it's the one of the best ways that I've heard it described is that it's not necessarily a deficit of focus. It's it's a it's a misnomer. Like ADHD is a is a misnomer because it is far more about our inability to not focus on stimuli. Like because our brains are constantly looking for new stimulus and looking for like the next thing to like catch our attention. And so being able to focus and direct that focus productively is often far more the struggle than than not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like my dog is like making little gurgling sounds behind me. I'm just like <laughs> just licking her foot. Um, but uh, so you have, I guess, when did you get diagnosed? I got diagnosed the day before my 30th birthday. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got I did, got mine just about a year ago. Um, well, con I always say, I, I never know what to say. Like, congratulations. Like, no, it so sucks. sorry. <laughs> like, welcome to the club, I guess. Yeah. I would trade the like high intelligence for non ADHD. I think um, <laughs> because it just makes learning stuff hard when you can't get it into your fucking long term memory. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Was the the entire reason I sought out a diagnosis was 
as I'm a professional Shakespeare actor. Like I, I, that is what I've done for years. And I got cast in a, uh, a rep company and I got like several large roles in the season. And I was, I was trying to memorize my lines and I was trying to memorize my lines, but, and this is like, I'm so good at telling stories because I always start at the end. Um, but I had just had an ovarian torsion and they removed one of my ovaries. Well, another fun thing they don't put in the brochure about ADHD is that it is dramatically linked to your hormones, especially um, in female bodies. And so like that is that's what happened was I my hormones were completely jacked up and my ADHD got profoundly worse, like like life alteringly worse in like a week. And so all of a sudden I went from like being able to cope and like, you know, I would struggle and I was messy and disorganized and all that stuff to, I could not memorize my lines. My personal and my professional reputation was on the line and I couldn't do the thing. And I couldn't do the thing that I had been doing successfully for years. And like Shakespeare is not easy, you know, it's not, it's not easy to memorize, but I went from, okay, it's going to take me an hour to memorize this speech to, I have sat here for 10 hours and I have nothing. And I was terrified. I was terrified. I thought, I really thought I had dementia. I thought, this is it. I have early onset dementia. I'm I'm going crazy. Like, there's something wrong. And luckily, I had a friend who was like, have you ever been evaluated for ADHD? And I was like, I mean... Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'd like maybe I have a little ADHD. And so then I went in for an evaluation, and I I got very very lucky with the with the uh, doctor that I found, and and she had a very similar experience to mine, and being diagnosed older and being like very academically gifted person, and so yeah, like it was it was because of my working memory just not being there anymore that I I sought out a diagnosis at all being blown off, being dismissed, oh, you're just drug seeking or like whatever. And then it's like, no, like this is profoundly affecting every facet of my life. You know, it's, it's, I get really frustrated about it sometimes because I, I feel so bad for people who have to struggle and fight to get a diagnosis. Yeah. And that's part of what these, doing these episodes is about is one, um, like educating people, like, you know, cause even I, before I got diagnosed was like, you know, it just associated with hyperactivity Yeah, because of the way that shitty way that it's named, um, and then, uh, and then after like learning all about it, I was like, holy shit, it's like all these other things that affect every single part of my life and yeah. everything makes sense in the past where I had all these issues. And then, you know, uh, so this episode is going to be to help people like if they think they may have it, number one, recognize the symptoms. Number two, how to like go about getting diagnosed or, you know, getting evaluated yeah. to see if you do or you don't. Um, but yeah, so, but one thing I haven't talked about is uh, sort of you know, like tactics for, I guess, compensating for some of the negative aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you've focused on a lot, right? I do. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's funny because it's, it's really hard to have those conversations. It's hard to, to talk about this as a, as a sort of general topic. Um, because one of my things that I'm, I probably need to just get it on a t-shirt is, you know, what works for one person might not work for you and that's okay. Sure. Um, but that, but that's the, the fact of the matter is, is, in conversation with ADHD and neurodivergency, there are things that can help, you know, things like apps on your phone and, and you know, timers and reminders and, and that kind of thing. But how those reminders show up in your life can be completely different. You know, for some people, it's post-it notes. For some, some people, it's, you know, email reminders. For some people, it's pop-up notifications on their phone. 
There are so many different ways to build systems that work for you. So one of the things that I've started doing is like talking about the concept of systems without ever getting like really specific because a system has to be practical, practical, a system has to be practical, sustainable, and repeatable. And if you don't have all three of those things, it's not going to work for you. And so a really good example is keys. Like we all lose our keys, right? That's the thing that happens, um, neurotypical or not. Uh, and so a, you know, a practical place to put your keys might be on the counter, you know, next to the door when you go in. Is it repeatable though? Do you always put your, you know, your keys in that same place or do you sometimes put them somewhere else? Is it sustainable? Is your house, is your lifestyle, you know, do you have nine kids who are going to like move stuff all around? Or is that a place where like every single time I come in the, the house, I'm going to set my keys in this same spot? You know, does that work for you? It doesn't work for me. <laughs> it, that that just doesn't. I, I, for whatever reason, I really struggle to put my keys in the same place. So my system is that I have a very, very visible lanyard on my keys. And so then that way, like no matter where they are, in general, I can find them. And so for me, that is much more practical and sustainable and repeatable because the repetition is built in. It's sustainable in that I've just gotten used to like, I look for the the blue lanyard and you know, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it's, I wish there was like a thing, thing I could whistle and it would just make a sound, you know? Yeah. Well, and tiles are great. Yeah. Tiles mm -hmm. are like the, the, I had that idea when I was like in fifth grade, <laughs> but the technology didn't exist and I remain bitter to this day that I was not the person <laughs> who like copyrighted that idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I had the lanyard thing too because I, I locked my keys in my car in college like That's two times worst. over like a few it's weeks. And so I was like, thing. I cannot get out of my car until I put the lanyard over my neck. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different systems that work for different people. You but know? it has to be a system, right? I mean... But, but yeah, and that's the thing. But I also... I also think, because just, you know, my opinions matter so very much. Um, but I think that we get hung up on this idea of like a system has to be something complicated and it has to be like, I have to go to Ikea and buy a new shelf. You yeah, know, when that happens, I get overwhelmed and I just don't ever do it. Exactly. And that's and that's part of it is like like the part of the sustainability and the practicality of it is like not creating a system that is so complex or overwhelming that you can't do it. And so like. What you just said, putting your your lanyard around your neck, that's a system. It's it's a tiny, minute, little, tiny system, but it's something that makes your life more efficient and it gets you through the day. Therefore, it is a system. You know, just thinking about stuff like that. Organization seems like it's really important, right? Um, I do I do reminders, like if, if I don't enter it in, but I, I, I want to find like the simplest way to enter in a reminder because I feel like just putting it in the calendar app with all these like... I need something simpler than that, so I should keep looking probably. A really great place to start with that with that is what does organization mean to you? Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have heard from a lot of couples and and partnerships um when I when I talk about that. Because clutter means something different to me than it means to you. Mess means something different than it means to you. Organization means something different. And so part of systems and part of sustainability of systems is communicating with the people in your life, you know, significant partners or, you know, friends, coworkers, whatever, but talking about your needs based on your understanding. Um, because like for me, organization is 
I, I like giving visual examples in an oral medium because it's it's this really great. But like this this is my this is my system. It's just she's a got a bunch of post-it, post-it notes yeah. in her hand. <laughs> For those of you at home, she's holding up a crumpled mass of coffee stained post-it notes. Um, but that's what works for me, right? Mm-hmm. But someone else sharing my space, sharing, you know, whatever, might look at that and go, that is not organized, that is mess, and I'm going to throw away this pile of post-it notes, and then my entire week is ruined. And so having the the cognizance and the ability to really communicate about the systems that work for you and the systems that don't work for you and the organizational structures that work for you, like, that's, that's also really important. And so, yeah. Organization is a big deal, but organization looks different to the ADHD brain than it does to, I think, a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, because I think part of my problem was like figuring out what would work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but just if I think about it right now and say it out loud, I think it would be, you know, it's something that like a reminder on my phone or on whatever device that reminds me of something at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just I guess the easiest way for me to like do that so that there's less barriers that where I forget. And there's like a ton of apps too. You know, like you were saying earlier, like putting stuff into your calendar is kind of a hassle. And so I tend to use more of like info dump apps where like I have a voice recorder and I have like just like a big, you know, note taking app. And so I if I'm driving and I think of an idea or something, I just yell it into my voice recorder and then, you know. I have a time during the week where I go through and I go, okay, that's a TikTok idea and that's a YouTube idea and that's, oh, I need to send that email or, you know, whatever. Because that's the thing. It's like any step and, and this, I don't want to like speak generally for all people with ADHD, but in my experience, any step that gets in the way of accomplishing the goal is a point where you can get distracted and where you can forget or it falls out of your head or you you think of a better way to do it or whatever. And that stops you from getting to point A of put date to be in calendar. You so know? I need mine to be voice activated 100%. I've been thinking about that. I just need to be able to yeah. say it to my phone and it and Get yeah, and, and that is what I do a lot because I I, like, I weirdly have all of my thoughts either at four o'clock in the morning or while I'm driving in Atlanta traffic. And so either way is not great for like post-it yeah, typing, notes. Yeah. So that's so that's what I do. Um but but the but yeah, like I mean what you just said earlier is is wonderful because one of the things that I hear a lot, like now that I'm sort of like doing this for my job, is that a lot of people don't know what they need right? A lot of people don't even know where to start. And the thing that kind of sucks is that sometimes you have to have a system that fails to find one that works. And so I feel like a lot of um, the ADHD experience is about constantly, I don't want to say constantly failing, but kind constantly discovering what works and, and doesn't work. Um, and that's something that I'm really passionate about, um, like educating about, especially so. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, what about, well, do you have any um, sort of things that you found that really work for you other than post-it notes, like maybe <laughs> for like memorization or? I, yeah, I memorize backwards. <laughs> really? It's uh, Yeah, I, I, I memorize backwards um, because my brain needs a place to finish. Um, I know where to start. Who's there? Nay, answer me. Say and unfold yourself. That's like that's the beginning of Hamlet. But how do you get from that to you know flights of angels singing to their rest or whatever? So for me, I always start at the very end. 
So I, I memorize the last line and then I do the second to last line. And then I say the second to last line and the last line. Then I go third to last, second, you know, and I, and I do that. And I, and when I'm memorizing lines and when, or whatever I'm memorizing, that's how I do it. I give myself a finite end and a finite point. Now, I say this with the caveat that this is a pain in the ass way to do. It is so much harder. It's so much harder and it takes so much longer. Um, but it is, it's the system that I, I built because I do Shakespeare and Shakespeare's a very dense, you know, content. And so like I had to come up with something that was going to work. And so I, that, that's my system is just memorizing backwards, but yeah, um, maybe try that or then try a couple different things and see how it works. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, some of it also depends on how your brain holds information. And for me, I, mine has to be in order, which is another reason why I do it that way. Because like, if I, you know, I, I keep talking like everybody's an actor, like everybody's coming to me for their acting memorization. Well, I mean, advice. I need to but memorize like, other stuff. I imagine, although everyone is a bit different, like a lot of these things probably do cross over. Oh so, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, work presentations yeah. or school presentations, like anything like that. Like it's, it's all applicable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like I can't start in act two. You know, because I'm like, okay, well, now I know act two, but then I'm going to go back and remember, like, I have to memorize in a semblance of an order. And so memorizing precisely from the end and working all the way back to the beginning, that also gives me an order. So then when I get to the beginning, I go, I go, okay, now I know concretely and quantifiably that I know everything that comes after this and I know it in the right order. I haven't jumped around. I haven't skipped around, like, you know, that kind of thing. Well, how do you stay on task, though? (laughs) Oh, what a hilarious joke on your ADHD podcast. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I mean, God, that's such a hard question. I feel like if I had a true answer to that question, I'd be a millionaire by now. (laughs) Um, But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I don't always stay on task. And I think the reality of living with ADHD is that sometimes you won't or sometimes you can't. The power and and the potential lies in what you do when that happens. And for a very long time, for a very, very long time, like especially before I was diagnosed, I would spend far more time being angry at myself and frustrated at myself and like punishing myself for, I can't believe that you got off track, like you idiot, you absolute failure, what are you doing? When in reality, it's just part of the reality. It's just part of it. And so it comes down to systems, I think, is... I'm so distracted by your dog. He's so cute! It's a girl. Oh, you'll be hurt. <laughs> She's a good dog. Her name's it's fine. Uh, anyway, Ender. so about this yeah. cool ADHD podcast <laughs> that we're recording. Well, it's totally um, fine. I mean, none of this is live, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Well, just, you just... Just keep that part in. It's pr- it's proof. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but it. um, but a lot of it also has to do with systems, right? Because the purpose of systems is to support us through those moments of lack of motivation, lack of focus, lack of of you know staying on task. The goal of systems and the goal of creating a working environment that suits you is that hopefully by putting in that work in the front end, 
you have like, you know, your office space and you're, and you're ready to go and you've got you, you know, your stream set up and like, you know, and, and everything is, is good to go. So you don't have to go, oh no, I forgot my microphone or, oh no, I forgot my pen or, oh no, I forgot my paper. So it's the prep work that goes into whatever you're doing before you start the actual task. Um, there's a lot of like boring advice. No, no, you know? I, I mean, that, that applies to me. It's like, uh, I, I need to read a book for an interview that I'm going to do. And um, the book is a little bit difficult to get into. So when I'm like, like, I know I need to do this for this, like for later, but um, like I would get more like a reward uh, activation in my brain if I was like working on this other thing. So it's not even about not working. It's about working on something else that I'd rather work on. And that's really difficult for me. It um, is yeah. like, no, it's, it's something that I absolutely struggle with too. Uh, and it can be really challenging because, and, and then again, that's like a really great opportunity for your brain to then go like, oh my God, I can't believe you're playing video games instead of reading this book that you're supposed to be reading. I'm a failure. Well, I, don't it's feel, like, I don't feel really bad. I just like, <laughs> it just doesn't turn out as good. You know, right. The, yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many, so much, or so many times in my life, I guess I should say, where where that happens, where it's like, you've got, should I go build this cosplay or should I go memorize my lines? It's like, well, memorizing my lines is boring, but boy, building a cosplay is fun. But it's like, no, I need I need to go be Hamlet before I, I'm building this costume that is for just funsies, you know? Yeah, so maybe like um, um, having like a list written down somewhere close of your long-term goals, because I mean... The longer something is out in the future, the less likely I am to work on it. Yeah, and that is that is a that is a studied thing in ADHD. Is is uh, long term planning is really really difficult for many people with ADHD, um, and it's part of uh, executive dysfunction and and planning tasks and planning for the future and that kind of thing can be a very very big struggle. Um, and so yeah, if lists work for you, that's great. They don't work for me. Uh, because I lose them, <laughs> you know? And so, um, but so, so what I, I tend to do is I kind of like translate my list onto a calendar and just like I memorize backwards, I tend to, to also work backwards, like on my calendars. And so the example that you gave is great. You know, if you have an interview on Saturday and you know that you have to have that book read by Saturday, you generally know the speed at which you read. So we'll say, okay, I know it's going to take me a week to read this book. I have to hard stop, start this book on Sunday, or I'm not going to be prepared for my interview on Saturday. And like break it up to like this many pages. And, and that's what I do. Yeah. And that is, that's exactly what I do. Um, especially it's weird that I said that one. Cause it's like exactly what I do with memorization as well is that I generally know like how long it's going to take me to min- to memorize like a minute of text um, and so I'm like, okay, if 20 lines is a minute and I have, you know, 2000 lines, then it's going to take me 20 minutes per minute of text to memorize. And I can sit down and I can math out like how long it's going to take me to memorize Hamlet. And it's about two and a half weeks if I work for about an hour a day. So then it becomes like, do I work for an hour a day or do I work for 10 minutes a day? Do I work for five hours. Don't ever memorize anything for five hours a day. I, I beg you. Um, but that, but that's another sort of system and structure yeah. that has, has built up around like my knowing that I am terrible at planning for the future. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, every Sunday at 7 PM, every person in the world with ADHD, 
um, we all plan out all the different things. Oh, yeah. That, I'm, but I'm sure that happens. Yeah. The only problem is, is that if I break everything down to like tons and tons of things and then I look at my calendar, I'm like, this is an overwhelming amount of things. Yeah. So that's, and that's yeah. but I guess there's And no, that's part yeah. of it too, mm-hmm. is, is fighting that overwhelm mm-hmm. because that's also part of executive dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the examples that I use a lot on, on TikTok is taking a shower. Because for many people, taking a shower is you go and you take a shower. For someone with ADHD or another neurodivergency, it's you have to leave the room that you're in and you have to go into the bathroom and then you have to hope that there's a clean towel and that the towel is where you left it. And then you get in the shower and then you have to shampoo and then you have to, I hope, clean your body and then condition if you're into it, uh, you know, and then you get out of the shower and you dry and then maybe you have to do your hair. And then if you put like product in your hair, shout out to the curly girl method, um, you know, that is that's not taking a shower is not one thing. Taking a shower is a is a set of honestly 15 to 20 separate action items on the list of taking a shower. And so for somebody with executive dysfunction, that's sometimes that's overwhelming. Like the like for me the thought of like if I go take a shower, I know that after I'm going to have to mess with my hair. I hate doing my hair. It is a pain. I hate drying it. It takes like two hours. It's super boring. Like, you know, so yeah, like that it's, it all becomes part of that conversation of like, at what point do you lose steam? Do you lose motivation? Do you get distracted? Do you walk into the bathroom and realize like, oh, I haven't watered my plants in a while. I guess I should do that. And then you go to get the watering can and then you're in the kitchen and you go, oh, well, I, the watering can was in the sink and I guess I should put these dishes in the sink. And then it's three hours later and you still haven't showered because yeah. you've just gone off on those Well, now I'm lists. like understanding the importance of, you know, uh, talking to like, you know, a coach or a therapist about this is they can sort of like walk you through you explaining like all the things that you know, but never really think about and put together. Um, So I think that was really, really important. Um, And I wanted to ask um, like text messages, you know, like people like to text a lot. Um, I I do. (laughs) Well, what happens to me is I'm like focused or working or, you know, and then I get a, a text message and it distracts me. And then the person wants me to text back uh, and then it, I just, so I just t- typically try to avoid it because I'm focused and then I never remember. And then people are like, you're a really bad texter. You're a really bad communicator, um, which I don't know if you <laughs> know what, that's what. Uh, I am, yeah. I am notorious among my friends for being the person who never texts back. So I am yeah. precisely right there with you. And then I get accused of um, not being into people like, you know, dating yeah. wise, which is. No, uh, I, I get that. And like, that is, I mean. That is a very good specific example. Um, also, just to let you know, I'm not a corporate chill, um, but there's a real there's a bunch of these that exist. But I there's an app that I have on my phone. It's called Do It Later, and it allows you to send text messages at a predetermined time. Oh, cool! And it is it changed my life. You got on because an what I will do is I'll go, oh yeah, yeah, I'll text you tomorrow, and then what I do is I put it in my phone right away, and then they think that I texted them tomorrow, but I actually texted them like I scheduled it. And so, um, so that's the thing, but, um, Oh, that's, that's, is it on iPhone and Android? 
It's I know for sure it's on Android, but yeah, yeah. it's called Do It Later. It's super handy. Any other resources um, that you have? I don't care. I don't care if it's like sharing for anything. <laughs> I mean, like what what you got? Do honestly, Do It Later is one of the biggest ones that that I use. Like, and I use it for a lot of different stuff because it's got like email feature and like text feature and like that kind of thing. And you can like schedule. But I do a lot of pre scheduling because my thing is I have to do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I don't do it now, it's like I literally happen. on my phone right now, I have probably. 15 unanswered text messages. Mm -hmm. And it's because like either I'm working and I don't think to check my phone and also I'm a theater person. And so my phone is never once, like my phone doesn't make noise. It's just always on silent. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't Um, have it on. Yeah. And so, so it gets really difficult, but the other thing and the other thing, (laughs) oh, here we go. Here's a whole nother path to go down. Um, But the same way, like I love talking about this. I get really excited, but like, our brains do not distinct like in terms of like thinking and holding information. Our brains really don't distinguish between where you put your coffee and remembering to text your mom on her birthday. Like for your brain, it is just quantifiable data that it stores or it doesn't store. And so many people and I want to be very careful when I talk about this because, like, this is a very new idea that is not necessarily substantiated by, like, anything in the DSM, but it is just, like, a common enough um, occurrence. Yeah, like, it's a it's a common enough occurrence that, like, people are starting to have conversations about it. But this idea of emotional impermanence, like, we talk about object permanence. Now, people with ADHD, we talk about lacking object permanence, but, like, we're not Labrador retrievers. People with ADHD have object permanence, but what we struggle with is working memory as it relates to where we put stuff, right? But the thing is, is that it also works with emotions. And so, like, for a lot of people, if if your friend isn't texting you, you can forget that that person exists, or if you don't talk to somebody frequently, it just won't occur to you to call them. And for many partners of people with ADHD and other neurodivergencies, it can be really hurtful because they feel like they're being forgotten or they're being ignored or like they're just not important to us or they're just not like relating to us. But what is actually happening is that our brain goes, that's information for later, but our working memories suck. And so we forget. And so people with ADHD can tend to fall out of touch with people a lot easier. And it even goes so far into stuff as like with like rejection sensitive dysphoria and it becomes a whole other conversation. But like, it's so much more than just the seven-year-old boy screwing around in class. Like it just is. Oh God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you've been calling it executive dysfunction. Is that what you think it should be called? Because I I do. No, I mean, so executive dysfunction is... uh, is uh, the term that we use to talk about the the cognitive processes or executive function is the the set of cognitive processes that that like sort of like help us function, so things like uh, task management and and emotional control and that kind of stuff. And those are those are run by your brain, your executive functions. But when your executive functions don't work so good, like uh, we call that executive dysfunction, and that is what many people with ADHD. Uh, uh, struggle with. And there's all different kinds of executive dysfunction as well. It's not, again, one of the hardest things about what I do and what I talk about is that there is no one size fits all. There's not one experience. You know what I mean? Let's take a quick break to go find our keys. Be right back. 
My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of sh**. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to Prodigy. I wanted to ask, what are some symptoms that you think people may experience that is not like in the DSM? The top five things that many people with ADHD experience are, uh, um, now they've all fallen out of my head because I was put on the spot. (laughs) No, it's okay. No, it's right. Executive dysfunction. Um, But sexual dysfunction is one. Eating disorders, uh, addiction, and uh, particularly like substance abuse and gambling, Um, sleep problems, uh, and there's a fifth one that I cannot remember off the top of my head, and now I'm going to look like a dumbass on your God, podcast. Like I'm very procrastination. sorry. Procrastination? <laughs> well, um, I mean... <laughs> but, but that's... Uh, God. Relationship, sexual dysfunction, eating disorders. It's fine. It'll come to me later. I'll yep. say it again real eloquently. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it in real uh, crappy. <laughs> like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that's the thing, is that, like, 
the rates of, of eating disorders in women with ADHD are much higher than the regular population. The rates of sexual dysfunction in people of all genders with ADHD is much higher. Uh, the rate of addiction and, and alcoholism particularly is much, much higher. And it's not like a diagnostic criteria. Like, that's the thing. It's like, if you go to the doctor and you say, I have an eating disorder and, you know, they're not going to be like, aha, you have ADHD. <sighs> Um, but those are things that the ADHD community are dealing with at a much higher rate, but people don't know that it is because of how our brains process information and store information and like the lack of dopamine mm -hmm. is like resultant in a lot of this kind of these other like really profound and lasting effects on our life. Sure. I wanted to like switch over into your work with um, ADHD with kink for a second, but I did want to first ask um, what you were talking about with the rejection thing. What was that? Oh, rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Yeah. So rejection-sensitive dysphoria is a fairly new term that we use to sort of dis colloquially describe a type of trauma. Um, and so rejection-sensitive dysphoria, as it, as it stands right now, is not like in the DSM as like a specific thing, but it is being talked about and referred to because it's like this very specific set of collective experiences. And we refer to that as rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And what rejection-sensitive dysphoria is, um, is basically, because <laughs> if you have it, you know implicitly what it is. But if you don't, then you're like, what is this lady talking about? Um, but basically, it is a extreme emotional reaction to real or perceived rejection. So think of it like this. You get an email from your boss, and your boss says, I need to talk to you on Tuesday, period. For many people, they would go, aha, my boss needs to uh, talk to me on Tuesday. I move on with my life. For people who deal with rejection-sensitive dysphoria, that immediately becomes like, my boss hates me. He's going to fire me. I'm going to be fired on Tuesday. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out of a job. Oh, my God, right? Or, you know, your partner forgets to say, I love you on the way out of the house. Oh, my God. They've hated you the whole time. They, they, it's all been a sham. It's all been a lie. Oh, my God. Or, you know, you don't get the job. Then your entire day or week or month is ruined. It is it is like this very extreme reaction to this to the feeling of rejection. And it comes from trauma. And and that's the thing is that there's very like sort of like mixed opinions on rejection sensitive dysphoria because a lot of people are like this is just a type of, you know, like PTSD, a type of like trauma, but the but the specific sort of experiences of it are so similar across the board to like people who experience it that like they've kind of given it a different name if that makes sense but i'm always really cautious about being like this isn't like a thing that you can go get diagnosed with you know what i mean yeah no i mean it does seem like you know an inability to regulate emotion and attention you know because like um yeah like, absolutely mm -hmm. and that and that's part of it it's just like uh it, it part of it comes from like a lack of emotional regulation some of it caused for like impulse control you know it's it's very like nuanced once you get into like this like the science of the thing I cannot think of the fifth one, and I'm going to perish if I cannot. <laughs> so I'm well, just going to, yeah. it's one of like my most popular I'll videos. Take your time, yeah. And it's just like, it's driving me insane. Like, I'm just, I'm going to, what's the fifth? It's fine. I'm what so you can always mad. do is just whenever you think of it, you can text or email, email it to me, and I will add it and voice it over. Depression. That's what it is. Uh, Jesus Christ, Katie. You know, the one that you're super dealing with right now. <laughs> of course, right? 
Yeah. So it's um like the top five things that people with ADHD deal with are depression, addiction, sleep disorders, eating disorders, and sexual dysfunction. Like those are like the the top five things that are like not specifically ADHD, but are like so many people experience it that we can like actually track the rates of it. Yeah, like secondary sort of banana, effects. It's from banana the... pants. It's banana pants. So um, what, speaking of sexual dysfunction, well, I guess ah. I don't know if this is like super like <laughs> kink, but um, what, okay. what, what's your, um, like you said you were really focused on the ADHD related to kink. Like what's that all about? So I, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> hey mom, uh, so I'm a pretty kinky person. I just, I just am. Like I, I found my way into the kink community and it really uh, helped me fulfill myself in sort of like a, a sexual way, right? Um, but one of the things that I got really interested in in being part of the kink community is making the kink community accessible to neurodivergent folks. And there is a lot of conversation. There's there's a beautiful amount of conversation in the kink community about things like consent and negotiation and boundaries and like all of that stuff because kink can be pretty complex in terms of conversations like that, right? But for people with neurodivergencies, there is a whole other spectrum of concerns and considerations and things that you have to make um, and talks that you have to have um, when you're talking about sex and when you're talking about kink. Uh, and I was not seeing myself represented in those conversations. Um, and so, like, I kind of just started talking about the fact that, like, I can I can consent all day long. But if I have time blindness, which is something that a lot of people with ADHD and other neurodivergencies deal with, time blindness can dramatically change your understanding of consent. Because I might have consented to something six months ago and not either not remembered, or I can consent to something uh, with the understanding that like, yeah, this is going to go on for like a while and we'll enjoy this activity together and then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, but because of time blindness, I can lose track of time and start doing something to a point where like I am getting injured or I'm in an unsafe situation because I have completely lost track of time and my partner is not aware that I can lose track of time. And so they are not watching the time. And so we get ourselves into a bad situation. Things like that. There's there's all sorts. There's all sorts of like really interesting conversations about neurodivergency and kink. Um, many people with ADHD struggle with focus, right? Like just across the board. But again, kind of like your brain doesn't distinguish between where did I put my coffee yeah. and remembering to text your well, mom. Sex requires focus, right? Sex requires a lot of focus. And so if you are in an intimate act with somebody and your neighbor starts mowing the lawn, that is a new piece of stimulus that your brain is, is going to latch onto and it completely take you out of the moment. And so I never, ever want to sound like I'm like, mm, come join my kinky cult. Um, <laughs> but what a lot of neurodivergent folks have found is that kink in, in many different ways and many different aspects of kink actually really improve and really help their sex life and really help their intimacy because there are ways to create additional stimulus or if you need the opposite to remove stimulus things like you know like just really basically like blindfolds or you know earplugs like that kind of thing or listen to music or something like that um and so you know i'm not saying like everybody should go sign up for the sex dungeon. Um, but there's like a lot of different ways that you can incorporate, you know, 
either add or subtract stimulus like in like the sort of umbrella of kink that can really, really help somebody who struggles with intimacy, who struggles with even like rejection sensitive dysphoria, like struggles to trust a partner, to open up to a partner because of past trauma and past feeling like there's something wrong with them for being neurodivergent. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's really, really interesting. And it's, and it's kind of the thing that, like, I'm, I'm going back to school for it. Um, I'm starting the process of that because, like, this is the thing that I, I want to talk about. I want to talk about sex and kink and neurodivergency because I think having accessible conversations about kink as it relates to the neurodivergent brain is really, really important. It, it and it, and you, you have to be safe. Yeah. You know. Can I tell you some of my uh, issues? Sure, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Um, number one, I, after sex, I uh, don't like really like cuddling a lot. So, mm-hmm. uh, I've, in my experience, women have been like, "Oh, like you just wanted sex, or you don't care about me emotionally." It's like so I've had issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, then also, um, oh well, like you know, stimulants for ADHD um, make I guess it harder for like to have more likely to have erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So. I also get prescribed uh, sildenafil or like generic Viagra for erectile and no, I'm sorry, medication induced erectile dysfunction. So without mm-hmm. the medication, I'd be okay. But uh, and then yeah, getting distracted, and then I feel like it's like there's some issue where I'm like I'm so focused or concerned about the other person having a good time or like orgasming that I just like don't even care or focus or add mine at all. And then, so, I mean, that's like a thing too, so. But I do like the idea of adding or removing um, stimulation. But yeah, I don't know about the organism. I think it's like a like an anxiety. Like I have to like, I'm obsessed, very, very concerned that the other person is enjoying themselves. Yeah. Or, yeah, well, I'm sorry, I don't focus um, on myself as much. No, I mean, well, and the thing is, is like really like they've studied this and like you are absolutely not alone. In fact, 39% of men with ADHD have a sexual dysfunction of some kind. And in particular, uh, it shows up as erectile dysfunction and a struggle to orgasm. Like that is that is just that is a, another thing that we don't talk about in the brochure. Right. Um, but another thing is that and this this kind of gets a little bit more into like sex ed- education talk. A lot of folks with ADHD have sensory processing issues. But sensory processing issues are not something that just like, I mean, they can just happen. You know, if you like touch a bad touch or you feel a bad feel. Um, but it can also come as the result of like, overstimulation. And so like sex and intimacy can be a type of, you will forgive the pun, overstimulation, which then like, you know, you're enjoying the act, but then afterwards you're so overstimulated from everything that's happening that you don't want to be touched. And that's, that's okay. Like that, but that's a conversation, you know, that's a separate conversation to have. Um, But another thing is that when we orgasm, uh, we burn through uh, our endorphins and the dopamine that is currently in our brain. And people with ADHD have naturally far lower levels of dopamine in their brain than other people. So what that means is that after orgasm, we can tend to have a drop. And in the kink community, this is a very, very common thing. It's literally called drop. Um, and it's the sub drop, dom drop. It happens on either side of like, you know, the equation. Um, but it's basically this idea that like, you spend all your good, good feelings, and then all that's kind of left is like the like feeling afterwards. And it's it's and it's a it's a very big part 
of the kink conversation, like like aftercare and taking care of your partner, like after the fact. Um, but a lot of people who are not active in the kink community don't know about the depletion of those hormones and those endorphins and like all of that stuff. And so after sex, they feel crappy and they don't know why. And especially people with ADHD can have that crash. And that crash shows up as like feeling sad or grumpy or not wanting to be touched or like any sort of thing. But because people who are not in the kink community may not be as familiar with something like aftercare with like, okay, like how do we get those endorphins back? How do we take care of you after sex? How do we take care of each other? Yeah. Um, well, you can find me on TikTok as uh, uh, Katiosaurus. I'm on like all platforms pretty much. Um, I just started streaming on Twitch. Um, it's Katiosaurus with a zero. Um, the big thing that I would love to promote is that I, I have a podcast where we talk just about ADHD and depression and living life as neurodivergent adults. It's called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest, uh, an ADHD adventure. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we uh, we hit the top 50 mental health podcasts in America Ooh, awesome. a couple weeks ago. That was cool. We fell, we fell out of that spot, but there was like a glorious moment, you know, because it's mm-hmm. always changing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've been really, we've been absolutely floored. Like, honestly, like the, the, the real truth of all of this is like, I never expected this. Like I, I was a, a nerd on the internet who was excited about learning about my own brain. And I started talking about my own experience. And what I found was that there was a huge niche. There was a huge need for conversations about consent and neurotypical or neurodiversity and all of that kind of stuff. And so like, this has just been like one of the coolest things to ever happen to me. Thanks so much to Katie Osaurus. You can find her on TikTok, Twitch, and Instagram at Katie Osaurus. Her podcast is called Katie and Eric's Infinite Quest, an ADHD adventure. And yes, she does have an OnlyFans, but you got to find that one for yourself. Be on the lookout for my OnlyFans account. It's going to be 50 cents a month for videos of me explaining how watching esports is actually the future and doesn't make me lame. Who told you that, by the way? If you want to know if it's a good time to buy a house, why we haven't seen aliens, why Navy SEALs killed bin Laden instead of a land-dwelling force, why you should force your kids into the field of cybersecurity, or how to make your own podcast. Then follow the show, because I'll be back next week with another episode of Prodigy. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff.
In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.